Well, you wanted you to do, do that. You No, no, he wanted to do the special intro. Yeah, I have I no idea how to do that. I, I have no I idea how to do that. So I want a nice, sexy intro. Okay. Um, Cotton usually isn't nice to guests, so this is going to be new for him. Let me. He's like the, he's like the Davy. He's like Davy from Burning. I Dicks. hate Davy. Davy's a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really is. <laughs> I fucking hate Davy. <laughs> him and him and David got into a huge argument because he was just being a dick to David. And he would not let David explain anything. And like, uh, we were inviting them to come on Law of Liberty. And David straight up was like, I'm not letting Davey come on. And like, <laughs> Derek and Kyle were like, that's fine. Fat ass. Yeah. Okay, let me, I don't want to include any of that. Include it. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, we talked about it on to- Law of Liberty. Well, I don't know. We need to. Uh, we got the. I don't. Everyone knows uh, that Davey's a jerk we, to his we, guests. We, <laughs> we, we can we can talk about that uh, in three weeks when the when the blank and blank show comes out after the blank and blank show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. You don't know Stratton, but we got we got plans. We got plans. I'm so excited I'm, for Blake and Blake show. We're started. Yeah, uh, I, I just finished recording like 45 blank minutes blank. before this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it should be okay. fun. <laughs> it's it's this is the dissecting liberty show. Uh, oh, I'm getting a text message from Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Stratton. <laughs> Uh, all right. So uh, today it's the Dissecting Liberty show. Uh, we got Stratton as a guest. Hey, Stratton, what's up? I'm, I'm feeling great. Very happy to be here. Thank y'all for having me. Hell yeah! That was really disappointing, Cotton. That yeah, was that sucked. Oh, for me? You? Yeah, dude, you can't. He wanted a good it. intro. You're like, here's Stratton. I'm easily the <laughs> biggest guest you've had. Right. Don't? Yeah. We, we had to huh. negotiate to get you on. Yeah. It, it was it was hard, I know, but, I mean, y'all, y'all Cotton won me to over. negotiate to keep me on. I swear. <laughs> uh, I couldn't we'll, think we'll of have our third now. blank and blank show. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how right. have y'all fellas been? <laughs> Good man, been good. Hell yeah, good. I've been pretty good too. Does anyone ever answer yeah, that so, question with bad? You know, like does anyone ever no. ask, "Hey, how y'all been?" I fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't. Uh, yeah. We should tell everybody that this is like a little over a week ago. We were together in Lake Jackson at the Ron Paul Symposium. Mm-hmm. And then this episode's going to come out a week from today. So it's two weeks, you know, after the Ron Paul Symposium when this comes out. So uh, that we, me, Liberty Zero, and Stratton were uh, hanging out, uh, doing drugs. Um, banging hookers. Yeah. Banging hookers. Shooting up uh, people that we didn't like. Walk, we, we took a six-mile <laughs> walk on the beach. And uh, y'all <laughs> holding hands for sure. One actually, one of those is true. Oh, one yeah. of those is true. So just you can guess, guess which one it is. That's it how long it was. Part. It, was it was six long. miles. At it least was for longer cotton. than it was long. <laughs> at least my legs still still worked at the end of it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I I you know, it's so rough. Liberty. What's up? I thought we were gonna have to carry you, dude. I, I thought know. so too. I'm not gonna lie. Like that, that, like my uh, the arch of my foot started hurting, and then it, it was once my uh, my heel, like my Achilles or the Achilles tendon, when that started to like really hurt. I was like, I don't know if I'm actually gonna make it back. See, for me, it it hurt while I was walking on the sand, but then when we got in the concrete, I decided like I'm not gonna put on my shoes until I get to the car. 
as soon as I put my feet on the concrete, dude, I felt like a superhero. Like, I felt like my feet could do anything. I was, like, fucking running and not feeling a thing. And my feet have felt great since. So, I guess I'm just built different. Sorry. Yeah, built dude. Different. My, my feet have felt fantastic ever since. Like, just incredible. Like, every time yeah. I walk, it's orgasmic. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just I totally great. get you. Get weird looks. <laughs> every time yeah, I just take right. a step, I come. That's right. That's right. <laughs> your face is uh, all cont- contorted all the time <laughs> uh, <gasps> did, did y'all ever did y'all ever see that video of the guy that uh like had like an involuntary ejaculation disease oh and no oh <laughs> it, that and, sounds bad I mean, it's serious <laughs> but, yeah. uh you know, like he's talking, like, you know, what do you do when you're like ejaculating at your father's funeral? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. no, damn. And like they they would like a camera a camera crew would follow him at the grocery store and stuff, and he like <laughs> picks up a kumquat and just uh, you know, a kumquat. <laughs> Imagine him like he sees a dog. He's like, oh, can I pet your dog? And as he's petting it, just fucking no. nuts. No. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Okay. Executive decision. Did, we're going like, to talk about the Ron Paul. Hold up. Oh, yeah. One more question. Was this question. guy at the Ron Paul event? Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> although I felt a certain way when when Ron Paul walked up on stage. I got yeah. to tell you that. That was you awesome. Know what I mean? <laughs> you got a chub, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Just I, I do to finish this one up. Like, did he, like, he had a, adult diapers, right? He's not just, know. like, rocking Dude, they it. didn't have a pants cam. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought that was the main reason you watched it, Cotton. No, <laughs> like, no, it was. Off in the was... corner, they just have a little camera. It's like, the pants cam, and it just catches his yeah, dude. facial reaction and what's going on inside the pants. They stuck a GoPro in his zipper. Oh. Now, th- this. This was like a H three H three thing back in the day. I don't I don't remember what it what it was. Uh, Just so the listeners know, we're we're like we're on Zoom and we have the videos on, so it's like far more funny than it would ever be. Yeah. Just with audio, <laughs> that's, that's why we're right. cutting up so much. <laughs> uh. So so let's before. Oh, all right. See, the problem is there's some people that don't listen to the entire episode. And so, like, I always, if, like, if the the really bad stuff is past a certain point, I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know, we don't <laughs> have to worry about it. But then now we're, like, ten minutes into the episode, we're talking about coming. This Let's good. stretch this out. <laughs> Let's stretch this out. Let's just never get More to like, the Ron Paul event. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> More like rub it out. Um, uh. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> So, uh, all right, serious time. What was uh, y'all's guys' favorite talk at the Ron Paul event? When y'all go first. I don't know. The first person I thought of was uh, Daniel McAdams. I really enjoyed his talk. Um, he talked about – I can't remember what the, what, what the title of it was, but he was talking about, like, color revolutions and kind of – how this election and like this whole time that we're going through right now is basically like an orchestrated uh, like change in uh, like government basically. Um, And yeah, so he's, he's always interesting to listen to at these things. My favorite one was the uh, Michael Rechtenwald one about, uh, that was a fantastic that was, <laughs> that was the best movie. one yeah you're right was, <laughs> you're right <laughs> that one blew everything out of the water or, i really loved when he went someone. uh <laughs> so what about you stratton uh i mean not real really not to sound stereotypical but 
damn, the Ron Paul talk, when he got up there by himself, damn near had me in tears. It, like, it gave yeah. me fucking so much optimism about what's going to happen in the future. And, I mean, he he talks just pretty generally. It doesn't, it doesn't sound too much different than any other talk he gives at these kind of events. But just getting to hear that in person it really uh, kind of shook me up in a good, positive way. But in the interest of, you know, going away from that, I really – I loved Jeff Dyson's talk uh his that first one it blew me out of the water even though like everything he was saying i already felt like i knew he was just putting it in such a way he just has such a damn way with words yeah yeah and uh, yeah i think uh well go ahead go ahead well i gotta say because my girlfriend she went to the event she went to last year's event but she didn't really know much about any of this last year and this event radicalized her like she's full-on anarchist now um and, like, sitting throughout the event, like, the first Jeff Dice talk, she was like, yeah, fuck democracy. Second one, she was like, yeah, we are going through this Marxist shit. Third one, when Tom Woods is up there, she's like, yeah, you know, I've been saying this. And, like, uh, Liberty Report, Ron Paul's damn near, she was crying, too. So, I'm very, I'm very thankful for the event and the effect it had on her. But what's up, Cotton? Um, yeah, like, about Jeff Dice, well, I got a couple things to say, but about Jeff Dice, like, I think he's really underrated. Like, cause yeah. I, I find at least where most places where Jeff Dice talks, he's always the opening speaker because it's a Mises event and naturally he'd be the, the opening guy. Um, but then like, you, you also have like heavy hitters like Walter Block or Tom Woods or, you know, at, at not so much now, but Lou Rockwell or Ron Paul or, you know, any of these other, you know, people, um, or even, you know, like Per Byland, you know, or uh, or Judge Knapp, you know, I mean, like real big names, but then Jeff Deist always opens it up, and I always love his speeches. Yeah. You know, like, I think uh, w- whenever I hear his stuff, he always gets overshadowed by someone. Uh, like, I think for this thing, it was Tom Woods, because Tom Woods has been doing these COVID talks, and he's been getting a lot of attention for him. But, like, Jeff Deist, I'll, I love his speeches. You know, every single one I've heard, like I've thought that they were on par with like Tom Woods speeches, but they just don't get the the attention. So I think that's yeah. cool. And I also think it's really cool, Stratton, that your girlfriend got radicalized. There. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and I, I got to say, uh, at what how much do you think like the after party um, did that, like our walk and then the party at that uh, that beach house? Hmm. I would I wouldn't say the walk or the after party had so much of an effect on her. The one thing, okay, actually I would say the after party definitely did because she was just having conversations with everyone. Um and like we uh, we'll I'll say this, like we met a uh, Buck from Death to Tyrants, great guy. He hosted the party. Uh Moral Bob. I, I can't remember his podcast name right now, but um, we met them. And conversations uh, about freedom. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, she that definitely had an effect on her because just being there, it made her realize like, oh, I'm not so alone in this world and these people are a lot like me. There's no reason for me to really be intimidated because at one point, uh, a lot of the guys that have girlfriends or wives, they were talking about how they don't ever bring them to these things because they're intimidated. So they're kind of proud of her for going because she she didn't feel like she was in my shadow. And that made me feel good. So uh, the, the, it, was, it was more the event that radicalized her and then the after party made her feel comfortable it made her realize that she doesn't really need to worry about her place in this liberty movement that, that's, that's awesome. interesting and that's something I want to talk to both y'all about because I <laughs> think I mentioned it to both of y'all at the time but like it's true with and I mentioned it to a bunch of people at the after party Cause like it's, it was true at Mises U and it was true here that the event itself was cool and it was fun. Like it was cool to see Ron Paul. I've never, you know, been in a room with them. I've never gotten a picture with them. So that was cool. But my favorite part of all this stuff is always afterwards, just hanging out. And like, and I, I was, when I was at the after party, I was, Jacob needs to thank me because I was really advertising Childerberg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you but were. Like, I, I was, I was telling people like, man, Childerberg is like this, but without the event. But it's like three days of just hanging out and like drinking beer and just chatting. 
you know, and I, yeah. I love that stuff. Like that, that's 90% of it for me, you know, cause I don't like, I was telling you Stratton at the time, I don't know if you remember, like I'm not super good with crowds and all the formalities of like an event like that. Like it's weird to me and I don't really know how to approach people like, but you know, like the after party, I was, you know, that that's where I really shine kind of in those informal situations. Um, and, and that's a thing that like I've been thinking about because I think part of the problem with our community is, uh, it's too formal. It's too, um, logical or hierarchical in a sense. And I think that it's, I think the, the more informal kind of haphazard stuff is cool. And I think that for a certain amount of people that aren't necessarily in our movement, like your girlfriend, uh, I think that things like Childerberg or that after party or the stuff we would do, like at the end of the day, it, it means you just yeah. kind of hanging out. Like, I think that for a large amount of people where the, the, the intellectual uh, academic stuff isn't necessarily their main draw i think that that kind of informal haphazard meetings really are are invaluable i mean yeah actually i fully agree because as much as i love all these books and i love all those cool lectures it's hard to get people to buy into this kind of stuff through that because the average person isn't going to sit down and read a book the average person isn't going to listen to a lecture and who can blame them so i i do agree with you fully there like my favorite memories of mises you were after other than having lunch with all the professors because that those were awesome but uh after uh every day we wrapped up at the institute going back to the hotel and just having beers in the hotel room and shooting the shit about anything yeah i mean i i definitely agree with you there because a lot more networking happens at those after party events and from that networking there's friendships built there's i think more things that help the liberty movement come out of those after parties than they do the you know symposiums uh so yeah i would i I totally agree with you there what do you think zero yeah i was gonna say that um like especially with childerberg my wife like really like all the discussions we had at childerberg like i I think that really helped her um you know, I, listening to the speeches and all that at uh, at this Ron Paul event, like they're not really her thing. Like she, I, I think she enjoyed it to a point, but yeah, it's 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 stuff like Childerberg and you know, like listening to people talk there in a more informal setting where you're getting to know them, and like you know, forming friendships and stuff like that. Like I think that did more for her than like a Ron Paul event or something like that would ever do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, 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 I definitely agree with you there that like, like that's, that's where to meet people. Yeah. Um, well, unless there was something else y'all wanted to talk about, about the, uh, the Ron Paul event, I guess we can talk about something else. Well, I want to ask, I really had. I want to ask y'all, did y'all, um, when y'all, when y'all went up and took a photo with him, did y'all say anything to him? No? no. What about you, Liberty? My wife said something to him. What'd she like say? Like I said, well, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. She, uh, during one of the speeches, she had, she had gone to get a drink and like the drinks were near the back of the room and Ron Paul was sitting back there. They're like up until the end and uh she spilled like i forget like some coffee or orange juice on the floor like right in front of ron paul and she was like she came like to the table where i was sitting she's like i just spilled a drink in front of ron paul <laughs> just like <laughs> like kind of freaking out a little bit and i'm like bro <laughs> and uh but but then she ended up uh she ended up going back and like cleaning it up and then yeah when when we went to take the photo uh like she's like yeah i I couldn't believe that i'd spilled that in front of you and 
he told her, it's like, yeah, I just, I was just surprised he came back to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I remember when I took the picture, I was just standing next to him and uh, the photographer said, get closer to Ron. <laughs> and I, 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 I scooched <laughs> over a bit and then I bumped him a little, a little hard. Oh, dang. And he kind of, he kind of swayed a bit and he went like, oh, okay. And then we took the picture and they're like, next. Cotton nearly and killed like, Ron Paul. Almost God damn, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that kind of reminds me before I said what I said to him last year at the symposium, right? There's uh, Lou Rockwell and Ron Paul were sitting right behind me through the first two speeches. And my girlfriend t- told me at like the beginning of the first two speeches. And like, as soon as she told me that, like my face went red and I froze up. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? My two heroes are sitting right behind me. So I just act like I'm stretching and I turn around and look and sure enough, they're sitting together. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> but like, it's just the trippy feeling. But, um, well, um, I, I just went up in a, cause I'd already kind of, I'd, I'd kind of been plotting this out. I wanted to really just tell him something from the heart. So I just shook his hand and uh, said, thank you for helping turn me around. And I can't wait for my children to learn from you. And he just said, well, thank you. And I was like, hell yeah. And we just took the good old shaking hands photo. And Yeah, yeah. I'm actually yeah. looking at that right now. Because, yeah, uh, when I saw that tweet, like, it kind of struck me. And I was I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. You, you yeah, said I'm that, down. Uh, it helped, yeah, he helped turn your life around. You want to go into that? Yeah, so... I mean, my, throughout high school, I just kind of, you know, I was a shithead. Uh, I did everything, you know, high school boys do. I, uh, you know, experimented with drugs. I, uh, not, not any hard drugs, just psychedelics mostly. And, uh, I, uh, had a bit of a drinking problem for a while and, uh, I got a job with the Republican party my senior year, just trying to build my resume and, uh, find, find a better way to college. But as I was going and doing that job, you know, I was realizing my values don't line up with this party. And so I remember one day on the job, someone told me, uh, we had, we had a conversation about our beliefs and he's, he said, well, you're like a Ron Paul Republican. And I didn't know what the hell that meant. So one day, uh, I was, uh, honestly like super depressed and I was definitely drinking. I was definitely smoking some weed, getting in my feels. And, uh, I used to always find stuff to kind of entertain me, like read something or watch something and kind of take my mind off of things. So I was like, okay, well, let's check out that Ron Paul guy. Looked him up, and uh, the first thing I watched was his interview he did on, uh, I forget the guy's name, but it's back in the 80s when he was running for president. And he's, you know, saying, like, oh. we need to legalize all drugs. And yeah, every yeah. one of the stands is making fun of him. Well, my whole life, you know, growing up, uh, my family's always kind of said, you know, we shouldn't tolerate uh, druggies or drugs, but we, you know, if it's legal, we should just legalize it because that'll be better. So I've always grown up with that belief. So I was hearing this politician say it. I'm like, Whoa, this is cool. And then, uh, eventually he gets onto some anti-cop stuff. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Cause at the time I liked cops and I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> right. but then he said something about, uh, you know, he, he says it exactly. I'll say, he goes, and there was a man sitting in his living room with his automatic selector and he was trying to choose a channel on TV, and they shot him right there in his living room in America. And that radicalized me, just hearing that. I'm like, yeah, that, fuck that. I was like, that the cops are not supposed to be killing American citizens. And so I kept looking into him and looking into him, and progressively over time, he made me clean up my act, kind of. I uh, started to take myself more seriously. I started reading more books instead of going out and finding trouble. Um I started to realize like, you know, my life does have a meaning. I shouldn't just be so uh, nihilistic and the sense of, you know, how people think of nihilism. And I, I shouldn't just be so pessimistic and negative about everything that's going on. And uh, it was his books. It was his words. It was his stuff that pushed me into things like, you know, like I said, taking my life seriously, uh, treating others better than I had been before, um, finding the value in all things that life gives me. And I honestly, uh, recently, I've been reading some more of his uh, religious type stuff along with Lou Rockwell's religious type stuff. And it's been pushing me in a kind of Christian direction. So 
I mean, I could go on about this for hours. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in a way, Ron Paul kind of saved my life because if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. I, I'm, if I hadn't found Ron Paul, I'd probably be either working in the oil field or hooked on drugs. So I owe that man a lot of gratitude, and to express that to him meant a lot to me. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that's, yeah that's a great story. Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy for you. Thank you, man. That really, it means a lot. Thank you. Oh, yeah. and uh, one more thing I want to say about the event before we go on is we got, I got to meet his brother, Wayne Paul. And, uh, you know, uh, I won't say too much on this because I don't, you know, I don't know what the family wants about anyone else out there except Ron and Rand, but his brother's just as brilliant as uh, Ron. I had a, we sat there for about five minutes, me and my girlfriend, and we talked to Wayne about, you know, where he lives, how, what it was like growing up with Ron as a brother. And uh, I had seen Wayne Paul in an Alex Jones documentary, and I told him about that. And he just started rattling off about the Federal Reserve for a good two minutes. And he's just as brilliant as his brother. So I'm very thankful for getting to meet Wayne Paul as well. And I just want to say thank you for, to the Mises Institute for putting on such a great event during this, you know, all this uh, coronavirus hoax hysteria. Yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, something we could talk about. <laughs> well, I, I got, I got. We can talk about that, but I have one question about about Wayne Paul. Did you ask him yeah. about Bohemian Grove? I didn't. I should have. He would have probably rattled <laughs> off about that. I, I just, you know, I just asked him general questions. It was just great getting to talk to him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, about the COVID stuff. What do y'all think about that? Because I didn't see one person wearing a mask. And that's awesome. Well, well, I noticed the staff the, was wearing you, the staff took well, all their mask off by the end of the event. Exactly. Though. Oh, did exactly. they? Yeah. 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 Oh, I noticed some of them. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's awesome. That was must, baller I, I as bet, fuck. I bet yeah. if you could like review the security cam tapes, it was immediately after Tom Wood's speech. Yep. <laughs> you know, I bet. I would bet. Yeah. Tom, Tom Woods, for like the people that don't know, he like he he got up and just absolutely eviscerated all the COVID, like the COVID is going to kill us all arguments. And just like awesome. showing graph stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he just got up there showing like graph after graph. And like, well, he was really funny about it. It's too. available on YouTube. It's available on YouTube. And I think he published it as a, uh, a podcast. Oh, did he? Angela McArdle. Isn't that the, the guy or the, the lady that handed, uh, crowdfunded governments asked to him what are you in the debate about? i'm not sure i i just know that she's yeah. the head of the los angeles county lp Dude, yeah, yeah. california can't have a southern california can't have a <laughs> lp i know that's what like i that, thought too that's kind of like you know i mean that's that's <laughs> stupid that's like nazi capitalist you know <laughs> kind of like oh okay right yeah three Cap, of them bernie sanders fans Three of them yeah, exactly. meet in the basement <laughs> while Antifa roams see... the streets. Right, right. <laughs> Did y'all see that Kurt, the libertarian thing, and his like official leader of the libertarian movement and whatever? And he put, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, the New Yorker that ran for uh, uh, governor. Larry Sharp. Sharp. Larry Sharp against Dave Smith. And some chick, she follows me. I don't know who she is. But she, uh, she, uh, some chick from LA, she's an LA Congress candidate for LP, whatever. I mean, some bullshit. And she was like, Larry Sharp has done so much for the movement and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think, I don't know why Dave thinks he's so special. And I, yeah. I think I retweeted it and I was like, who's Larry Sharp again? Yeah. Like, Larry Sharp was cool and I was getting into the libertarian movement and then I slowly realized how fucking boring he is. Yeah. Did you ever listen to the burning boots they had with Judge Gray and Larry Sharp? No. <laughs> it's it's dumb as hell. I feel so bad for uh Derek, Davy, and Kyle. It's so bad. I mean it sucks. Because Judge Gray is like full of shit. And then, and then he leaves early, or maybe he leaves like 40 minutes, and they had said, all right, for 40 minutes we'll talk. 
And then Larry Sharp's like, yeah, I'll hang longer. And Larry Sharp is just in full defense mode because it, it was so much bullshit. Like, I mean, it's, it's hard to listen to. I listened to all of it, but it was hard to listen to. I'll have that's, to listen to that one. That's one of the few like shows of theirs that I have not listened to or one of the few episodes. Just like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've lately, like maybe the past half year, I just, I don't listen to shows or episodes with politicians. Like I don't care what they have yeah, to dude. say. <laughs> Who can blame you? I, uh, I listened to Larry Sharp one time on Joe Rogan and was kind of, I was impressed because you know, like I said, I was just barely getting into this Liberty thing and I was a big Joe Rogan fan. So I was like, I was finding all the interviews he did with people from the LP. Just slowly over time, though, fucking Larry Sharp got annoying. He got so yeah. annoying and just milk toast. Dude, he's like a radical Cato libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit better. He's Ouch. a little bit better than like the average Cato dude, but he's still a Cato dude, so he sucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I the first I've told this story a couple of times on the podcast and I think I, I told it to either one or both of y'all again uh, in a, uh, like Jackson but like I remember my buddy got me into all of this by bringing me to the uh, Libertarian Caucus uh, the Mises Caucus thing in, in uh, New Orleans in 2018 I think um, and uh, I remember, like, I, I didn't know who any of these people were, but we walk in and Scott Horton's talking. We listen to, uh, I guess, Jeff Deist was there. He must, or maybe not, but I, I think he probably was. Um, like uh, Bob Murphy and Dave Smith and, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Bob Murphy, Tom Woods and Dave Smith was supposed to be there, but he couldn't. That's when his wife was pregnant. So, uh, but, uh, and then at the end, when we were walking out, Larry Sharp was speaking and I was kind of like listening and I'm like, Oh, this dude's pretty cool. But everybody I was there with wanted to leave. And I'm like, all right, it was Larry Sharp. And I remember like hearing him on like after that, hearing him on Joe Rogan and he was on Tom Woods and he kind of, you know, all over the place a bit. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd stuck around and talked to him a bit because at the time I wasn't nearly as radical as I am now. And like, he was really, approachable to me when people like tom woods or scott horton were like cool and it was tom woods that got me into all this eventually just like because when i got back i just like chain listened to tom woods episodes but you know at the <laughs> time it was larry sharp was really approachable because he was kind of moderate you know and and he was a politician so he was kind of using milk toast language so it was a bit more easy to digest uh yeah. but um yeah <laughs> Oh, you're gonna have to edit on the uh, <laughs> on the show on the I just recorded. Room. Oh well, okay. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, he just said a couple in words. Right, right. That's that's that how happen. we do on the on the DL the DL show. Right, right. <laughs> we are a hard R podcast. Oh God, I don't know about. That. <laughs> <laughs> Hard R as in um, resplendently intelligent. <laughs> no, resplendently intelligent. Uh, we're going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so what else? I, I, didn't, I don't have any notes to talk about. I don't have an outline. Liberty, you got anything? Or else I'll propose something. Um... I think I had something, but then my wife texted me, and so I'm looking at that. I don't, oh, okay. I don't have anything right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, whammon strike so, again. So, uh, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how much do y'all want the this election business to go to the Supreme Court just so Biden has to answer to to Clarence Thomas? Ten. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's the best case scenario for this. I want that so bad, dude. Dude, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to change it so we can have cameras in there dude yep i want that i want to just record that yeah <laughs> wait can't you uh 
can't can't you go in and like aren't you allowed to be in the supreme court like courtroom i yeah. believe you are but like if, it's if press it, if it happens we like should make a trip it. yeah we'll just say we're with dissecting mm. liberty yeah right yeah yeah that we, name yeah. gets us in anywhere yeah <laughs> yeah and and cnn fox news msnbc doesn't have more pull than us in washington dc at all of course not it. fuck them we're gonna have to go now and start waiting if we want to if we want to do that I want to. I want to just catch the look on Biden's face when Clarence Thomas is t- talking to him the way Biden talked to him twenty years ago. He just <laughs> like, like he just like thirty shit. years ago, almost thirty years Corn ago. Corn pop strikes again. Yeah, he just like he pushes out like a cart with like a TV on it, and it just like starts playing the stuff that Biden said to him. Right, right. I really want him to get the deciding vote, dude. Man, yeah. Amy Coney Barrett's gonna fuck it up too, like in a good way. Probably. Oh, really? I hope so. That's our she, chica now. I mean, I don't like any of them, like, but she's like she's, she's the chica. Yeah, she's the chica. See, but like, here's something. Here's something to worry about. You know, uh, Joe Biden is a. I'm for those y'all on the video. Y'all see me doing air quotes. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden is Catholic. Um. And Amy Coney Barrett is Catholic as well, so a lot of people are saying she might uh, go for Biden if that happens. Oh, oh yeah, totally. So Catholic strike I, again, am I right, fellas? I totally. I have a hard time believing that <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett will go for Biden. <laughs> I do not believe that for a second, dude. I want to see. I want to see Clarence. I want to see Clarence Thomas's opinion when when it's all over and he's and his. Like his whole opinion, you know how they usually have like a whole essay about it. Yeah, he's like, "F this dude." Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's fuck like, uh, Joe. <laughs> "Nah, dude, it's gonna be corn pop part two, electric boogaloo." That's all it's gonna say. Oh yeah, I would love it if uh, <laughs> he's just. No, it'd be even funnier if Clarence just rips into him. He's like, "You think you got power over me, Whitey?" <laughs> <laughs> Take that! Take that! I'm the corn pop dude, now, cracker. Dude, what if it? What if it's just like a CD-ROM of him ripping a fart into a microphone, and he just like he just <laughs> he just tapes uh, it to like his with his letterhead at the top. But no, like I'm worried that Amy Amy Coney Barrett's gonna have like some like uh, have y'all ever seen? Oh, I'm about to get nerdy up in here. Have y'all ever seen the Elizabeth movie about Queen Elizabeth? I'm a big fan. Oh, I love it. I can say all the lines. Right. It's a really good movie, but but here's the thing. So Queen Elizabeth was one of the first openly Protestant monarchs in England. So in the movie, in the movie, the Vatican sends a, a assassin priest to try to sow dissent in her population. And so what I'm saying is I'm, I'm worried that the Vatican's going to send one of them to Amy Coney Barrett and like wake her up at 4 a.m. and be like, this is what the Vatican asks of you to, you know, get Joe Biden to be the president. So the and like, Pope what's is gonna displeased. Do? <laughs> yeah, right. the Pope's been on some fuck shit. Yeah. Have y'all heard the most uh, recent thing about him? Oh he was God. liking porn. He was liking butt pics on Instagram, yep. dude. Did Wait, you hear what? about that zero? No. <laughs> he got caught liking butt pics. Yeah. Oh no. De- yeah, Dexter confirmed it. I'm seventy percent sure. It's real. <laughs> it's real. I'm Dexter, not even gonna Dexter, check it's real. Dexter tweeted like so I guess it's real. Holy cow. I don't wanna throw Dexter's good name. No. We we can throw the uh, the Pope under the bus any day. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Literally, please. Yeah. Good night. That's bad. That's real bad. And, and this is coming after the after he's all like, uh, "Fucking capitalism sucks," and like we're all like, "What? Fuck you, Pope." <laughs> I'll fight yeah, the Dexter, Pope. Bro. Yeah, Dexter says so. That story about the Pope more likely a staff member and the e-girl is true then i was certainly 
I was certain it ended up being a viral prank or something. Huh. I would love it if, like, the Pope's just sitting on the toilet scrolling through Instagram. He's like, that's a nice like, ass. Dude, she's hot <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, so, a, it, was a, it was a woman in a schoolgirl outfit, too, so that doesn't necessarily help the Catholic image. Oh, no. It's... Can, can we get those hats? <laughs> like, can we... <laughs> Can we just buy those hats? Because, like, I would, I would rock a Pope hat in public. Dude, dude, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's an inside joke with uh, me, my dad, and the guy y'all met at Lake Jackson. It's an inside joke that, like, he's the leader of his own religion. And, like, he has a hat that he wears. And that's, like, where his religious power sits in his hat, you know? <laughs> y'all have to, next time y'all see him, maybe at Childerberg, y'all have to bring that up. I will, uh, but here's, here's what I want to do. Looking up Pope hats. Well, here, here's what I want to do. I want to get a Pope hat, but like, uh, I want to put like a Dallas Cowboys symbol on it, you know, so I can rock my favorite team <laughs> while still let everyone know I'm superior. Y'all see that? Oh, dude, I'm buying that. Dude, that's only 25 bucks. Dude, say something, because... I'm looking at the small screen here. Though there's there's a Pope hat you can get for 19.99, and then there's What's a full sword Pope outfit. That's a scepter. A divine scepter. staff. Right. Divine nice staff. Uh, so and then you can what get I'm a full outfit is, for 29.99. So what I'm hearing is we're gonna pull up to Lake Jackson next year. All of us wearing that, bro. Well, bro, see now dude, here's the thing. Yeah. Well, feeling I got, it. I got, I got an idea. Okay, me and Agora Brewing, who was on episode a week ago, uh, I don't know if he remembers this, but we talked about a plan, right? Um, Stratton, you don't know this, but at the last Childerberg, I showed up with a tinfoil cowboy hat. Oh, so. Me and Agora Brewing, and I'm making another one, a, a, excuse me, a nice one for next year. So me and Agora Brewing, we're talking about tinfoil cowboy hats with tinfoil suits. Now, y'all are more than welcome to wear Pope outfits. But if we're going to do costumes, I think that a tinfoil suit, especially considering both of these events are in Texas, tinfoil suits with tinfoil cowboy hats is a much better, much better option. Well, I'm, I'm, you immediately I'm wondering. Go argue ahead. Argue against me. Go ahead. I'm not going to argue against you. I just, you made someone at the event pop into my head. I'm wondering if we all want to show up with the suits, right? Or you like you and you and Agora Brewing show up with the suits, Stratty and I show up with the Pope outfit, and then like we we'll, we'll see Yes. Basically we fight on stage at the Mises event. <laughs> no, dude, someone <laughs> someone brings a kiddie pool and like a bunch of baby oil and we fight. I'm texting so right now. I'm texting so right now. <laughs> no, nah, baby old's not good for the tenfold for the T full suit, so I ain't I ain't down. We'll literally shred you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you guys I... notice the dude at the event with the uh name tag on his forehead? Yeah. No. What the fuck was up with yeah, that guy? I don't know. Um, he, was, he was strange. I heard, I overheard him talking to someone, and he seemed cool, like, just talking. But I don't know. He's probably just like, that might be, well, that, But that might be, like, <laughs> Ron Paul's, like, son-in-law or something. So he might be just, like, comfortable as hell. There, like, you know? Fuck around. I can do what I want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now that would be even funnier if Jeff Dice kicked out Ron Paul's family. 
<laughs> fuck out. Man, that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> man, I was going to say something, but now I forgot. Oh, I feel um, like a dick. Oh. <laughs> uh, Oh, I, I, y'all need y'all need to say something. I'm trying to think of what I was going to say, and I don't want to leave that air. Um, uh, donkey nuts. Cool. Hey, hey, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making him go back and edit that. I almost, yeah, please my don't. bad. Please don't. <laughs> no, not you, Stratton. Not you, Stratton. Ah. <laughs> um. So, Liberty, do you like any sports? Because I could talk about sports for a while. Dude, I uh, when I lived uh, when I lived overseas, like I got huge into football and like fantasy and all that. Mm -hmm. Y'all talk about that real quick. I'm use the bathroom. Okay. All right. Cool, man. I know when I'm leaving, so I'm gonna be listening to this over. You do that. Ready for the hard art. Just drop like ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, how'd you get into football overseas, though? So, what was it? I think my uncle. Yeah, you know what? That's what it was. My uncle invited me to play like an online fantasy football, like in a in a league with him. And so, I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do that. And for the first year, I really didn't know what was going on. Like, I barely watched any games, stuff like that. And the next year I decided, okay, I'm actually, like, I want to win. And so then I started watching, like, like, I really got into it. And the thing was, I was, like, seven hours, what was it? Yeah, seven hours ahead, right? So, like, I'm if I want to watch, like, a Monday night game or, like, a Sunday night game, I'm, like, up at, like, 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> watching this, right? And it was like so hard, but uh, where were you? Can you say in, that? Uh, I, yeah, I, I was in Slovenia. Oh hell yeah! Oh, yeah. there's a lot of good basketball there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. It, it's it's a thing. <laughs> so you got you got a favorite team in football? Uh, it was the. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it's still the uh, the Rams. Although back when I was watching, it was they were St. Louis. That's, now they're in that's, LA. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I was about to say that's funny. I was talking about that with some other night. I, you know, I, I grew up a Cowboys fan, but I always liked the St. Louis Rams because of Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner. Yeah. And uh, so, like, my dad, he grew up with the Los Angeles Rams, where they had uh, Jim Everett. He played against Jim Everett in high school, and uh, Eric Dickerson. Oh wow. So uh, he liked the Los Angeles Rams, and I liked the St. Louis Rams. We're both Cowboys fans, but we got to a huge argument uh, whenever they were moving back to Los Angeles because he was like, you don't understand. He's like, we're, they're a Los Angeles team. That's where they belong. And I'm like, no, Dad. I was like, fuck that. I grew up with them in St. Louis, and they deserve to stay in St. Louis. That's where the greatest show on turf happened. They won their only Super Bowl in St. Louis. It does not make sense for them to go back to L.A., Especially with the Chargers in L.A. now. Fuck that. I know, right? Damn, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. Big time Rams fan. Cotton joins. Cotton's That's back. Right. And so I just want to finish up my point. I'm just saying 13% of the population. 50% of... All right. Okay, Mr. Ben Shapiro. Uh... Have y'all seen that video of him doing that? No. No, I haven't seen anything Ben Shapiro. Not a big fan of uh, them, you know, not a, not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I can by say that because I'm one of them. By, by that, he means white people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Just to be clear. Uh, uh, yeah, he was on a panel and he was like, here's the thing, 13% of the population. <laughs> it's funny as hell. <laughs> Oh, dude. So, Cotton, you weren't there because you took your own truck at Mises U, but um, one day when me and Porter had to take the bus because you were taking photos, you know, 
you know, modeling for all the bitches right. at Nieces. That's right. Um, That's right. <laughs> we, on the bus ride back, the dude was blaring Ben Shapiro, like, fucking loud on the bus. And, uh, oh, my God. It was just, like, cringy. Dude, yeah. It was weird. It was so polarizing after a whole day of, like, you know, what they talk about at Mises. The first thing we hear is some neocon being like, here's the thing. We have to go blow up Iran because Iran is <laughs> terrorists and they want right, to destroy right. the Jewish faith. And Yeah. Well, here's the thing about him. Uh, I, I found out that, like, we share a last name. So, like, I talked to him a bit. What's that like, last name? You know, uh, shush. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so oh, I that talked guy. to him because, like, yeah, his brother worked at the hotel, and he was like, you know, we didn't, we didn't know anybody with, you know, our last name. Um, so That's like, Shapiro, he asked right? me to, yeah, it's Shapiro. How about Shapiro? Okay, Gold, cool. It's Goldstein. <laughs> Shapiro. Um, we uh, <laughs> so he like asked me to talk to his brother who was driving the bus, and I went to talk to him, and like. I genuinely think that he thought that y'all would look at him better by him playing the Ben, the ben Shapiro. Um, because, like, he, he said he liked uh, Judge Knapp a lot. So he thought this was like a Fox News kind of just, like, blanket conservative thing. So I think he, <laughs> he thought that, like, I'm serious, I think. Well, that's, that's funny. funny knowing that because that's he did not get that reaction, dude. We were all making no, fun yeah. of the fucking mate. We were all making fun of Ben Shapiro and talking shit and being like, "What's this? He's playing." Oh, I feel bad now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I gotta say though, the staff at Mises that were they weren't with Mises at the hotel staff. Fucking, they were some cool people. I like those guys. They. Make sure we had a great breakfast every morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was better than the hotel breakfast I ate in Lake Jackson. It was dumb, dude. They made you walk up, like, the arrows and all that crap, you know, the COVID arrows. And, like, the, the they had one woman taking care of all of it, and she had to get all the food for you. And it was dumb. Yeah. Did they make you wear a mask? Yeah. Oh, my God. I did not put a mask on once in Lake Jackson. Yeah, I only put it on. When I was when I was checking out, I didn't wear it because I was like, what are you going to do, kick me out? Sure, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like they, they were uh, – I, 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 I went into another hotel while I was there, and they didn't care, but the hotel I was staying at did – they asked me to put it on, so I did it. Um. And they already had my money, so like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cussing you for wearing a mask. I was just saying, like, I'm happy right. I didn't have to wear one. What else? What else y'all got? So, anything that y'all are excited for coming up in the Liberty World, or just in general? Um. Yeah, I'm excited for when you start <laughs> when you start hosting the show because that's what you've been doing this episode. <laughs> I know, me. I know. I said to Cod, like, I should have done the intro. Oh. I should have done the intro, actually. No, Stratton said that he's the new co-host. When I wouldn't let you in that a minute ago, that one time. No, so, I asked if I was. I asked if I was watch the new out. co-host, and, and you I, said yes. It wouldn't and be the first considering, time. Yeah, considering Cotton's gotten a new co-host. Yes, and considering, right? Exactly. Yes. I, I, I am down about to that, take. Uh, Next Either week. of y'all spots. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do? Um, you should start a spinoff called, uh, what could you call it? Um, oh, Splitting spin-off Liberty of what? Our, or something? Our show? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just him. And he's like, hey, I'm <laughs> Cotton and Zero and blah, blah, blah. I'd listen I'll to act that. like I'm y'all. I'll just have like a schizophrenic conversation with myself. Sure. <laughs> hey, everyone. Right. Welcome to this week's episode of Splitting Liberty with Stratty Davis. With me today is my co-host, Liberty Zero. Hi. And here's my other co-host, Cotton. Hello. 
And uh, today we're going to talk about. I love, um, <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love your cotton voice. There's a lot. There's a lot higher than Hello. your zero voice. Hi, but it's cotton. All right, that's my cotton impression. Yeah. So really your question, your question before we before we interrupted or I interrupted rather, you you were asking like, what we were most excited about. Yeah. With, with what? Uh, either just liberty or like in the future of liberty, because that's something I've been thinking about since uh, the symposium. So I want to know, like, are y'all more optimistic or pessimistic about where this is going with, uh, you know, our new God Emperor Biden? You want to go first, Cotton, or? Um, yeah, I'll go first. I'm I I'm kind of pessimistic by nature. Um. So I'm not, I'm not incredibly, not incredibly pleased. I don't know how much better it would be if Trump had won. Although I think it would be better if Trump had won outright versus if he wins in the courts. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I worry, like, let's say Trump wins in the courts. I think it's not going to be very pleasant for our friends in the larger cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, people have been telling them to get out for quite a long time. Um, but I still worry about them. Uh, and by that, I mean, people we yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is like, let's, let's say that, that Trump wins through the court. It's not going to be good in certain pockets of the country. Like, it's going to be really bad. Let's say Biden wins. Then it's going to be really bad in the entire country. You know, so uh, I, I don't think, I think now it's, it's kind of a lesser of two evils thing. You know, what, what, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm I, I'm not incredibly hopeful for at least the 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 short term, um, and then the long term I can't even begin to predict because like you got all this great reset stuff going on and the COVID stuff and like I know around me I see more and more people wearing masks and that's not very hopeful. Yeah. So like if they do another lockdown, I don't think my community would resist. So I I don't know. Well, I was optimistic, and then Cotton just brought me down. <laughs> See, I wanted to go first. I wanted to go first so that you could then tell us why you're optimistic. Well, actually, no, that it it, it does work out. Um, in terms of like what I think the whole country's going to go through, I'm pessimistic. Uh, like I think a lot of the same stuff that Cotton just uh just talked about but for me like the kind of way that i like i've yeah the way that i've been dealing with that is that i've been kind of working towards and preparing for that eventuality so like right now there's a garden garden in my backyard and so i'm looking forward to getting the produce from that uh you know, just getting closer to, uh, or at least starting, uh, to like being able to like feed myself. And then I'm hoping like, I've never hunted before, but before the uh, deer season ends, like I'm going to be out there and I'm going to try to harvest a deer and put some of that meat in my fridge or freezer. And so essentially I'm optimistic for myself personally because of like the steps that i'm taking to make myself more free and uh make myself less dependent on the system and the uh like the the food uh like the the supply chain food supply chain stuff like that but you know go ahead go ahead no, no, go for it. Um, I, I probably need to. My wife just got back with groceries, so I need to help her unload that stuff. Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk to Cotton here. 
you do uh, that? <laughs> well, I, my answer is kind of like both y'all's answers put together uh, pretty much with a little bit more added in. I, uh, I definitely, I have a fear that uh, this, uh, you know, coronavirus hysteria, this great reset stuff is going to keep going on. Um, I think because I do believe that Biden is going to be forcibly installed as president. Um, and I think with that happening, you know, the bankers and bureaucrats are going to keep working to crash the economy. And that's going to force us into either a war economy, which I see that being very likely because Biden now has a, a foreign policy uh, advisor team of like 40 people that are lobbyists with the incentive to go to war. And uh, Biden's remarks in the second debate when he said, uh, I know them and they know me and all his tweets now about getting the military back in the game. That makes me very pessimistic about um, our foreign policy. And uh, just, I, I fear we're going to see more Americans and more innocent uh, Middle Eastern people dying soon. So I'm very pessimistic on that front. However, I do believe that this election has woken up a lot of people on uh, the conservative side into realizing like, whoa, what the fuck is happening? And I think they got, we got some wheels turning in people's heads. Like at the million MAGA March, there were people saying uh, uh, like screw Fox news or whatever. I forgot. Oh, Fox news sucks. And I like that. Cause it, you know, they're starting to see through all the bullshit that even the conservative media and the conservative establishments pushing. Um, so with that being said, I, I do feel like a lot of uh, more secession movements will pop up because I'm even seeing blue blue checkmark liberals on Twitter talking about we need to separate and we need to get rid of, uh, you know, Texas and Florida. A lot of people were mad about the Cubans in Florida and uh, saying we need to like Florida needs to be its own place, which if uh, Ron DeSantis as president from Florida does not sound like a bad deal. Um so I'm, uh, I'm pessimistic on the front of, I think things are going to get worse in general for America. I think uh, we're inching closer towards the fall of Western civilization, the death of the West, as Pat Buchanan calls it. I, uh, am, I'm optimistic, like with what Liberty said, I think more individuals are going to take the route like he was talking about myself personally. Uh, I'm looking to take that route as well. And um I just, I hope we see politics become more local. I'm really hoping for that because I want to see localities start to take things into their own hands, which I know you said your community, you don't see them resisting. My community, I, however, I do see us resisting. And um, our governor just is instituting a lockdown tomorrow. And it's the, it's the same two-week lockdown we had at the beginning of this, which means we're going to, people are going to lose more jobs. Um, and, you know, people are going to struggle throughout the holidays. Um, I think that's going to wake a lot of people up. I really do. Because they're going to see my little community is going to resist like we did the first time. I hope more communities throughout New Mexico resist as well, just throughout America. So uh, it's really, it's a toss up for me. Um, I want to remain optimistic because I feel like if I'm pessimistic, it will just kind of keep my head in the sand. Whereas if I'm optimistic, at least I'm looking more towards, well, what can I do? So I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I feel safe in saying I'm optimistic, uh, totally. Damn, cool. I just got back when you just finished your, your oh. whole opinion about that. <laughs> well, it was, it, was a, it was a very good measured uh, synthesis of, of what we both said, basically. Um, and I think it was a good closer to the episode. Yeah. So uh, Stratton why don't you go ahead and give your plugs and where people can find you? So um, you can follow me on Twitter at Stratty D follow me on Instagram at Stratty shrugged. Um, you can read my most recent article. Uh, it's on the libertarian party Mises caucus's website. It's called coronavirus is uh, killing the American soul. Um, listen to insurrection Inc. Listen to law of Liberty. Those are both podcasts that I'm a host of. Um, that's about it. All right. Liberty Zero, you want to outro us out? Yeah. I'm Liberty Zero, reminding you to zero your rifle. And I'm Cotton Argus, reminding you to pick cotton voluntarily.